Sunday is our six-month anniversary. We're going to celebrate half a year at the church. Yeah. You don't want to miss. We have a gift for you, so come and be a part of us just kind of celebrating what's taking place in half a year. It's amazing. I can't believe I'm saying that. We've been at church for half a year, and it's been fun. And God's doing some great stuff and great stories. So next Sunday, make sure you're here. All right, so we are in a series that's called Transform. It's really about how God transforms and changes people. Uh, it's, it's an everyday decision and journey. And so we say this, that healthy people, they do healthy things. First, we can talk about setting goals. Uh, you can catch up on these lessons online through iTunes. Um, we have CDs in the lobby also. You can grab those are free if you want one of those to, to catch up from last week. Uh, part one, we talked about spiritual health, how to get close to God. Part two was uh, physical health, moving from being stressed to being blessed. Uh, part three um, was um, mental health. And I forget what that was called from changing your life by changing your thinking. And then last week we talked about emotional health, how to deal with how you feel. We're talking about uh, these, these seven key areas in our lives. And so today we're going to be talking about relational health. Today is a huge one. It's a big one. Um, Robert said last week when he spoke, did a great job talking about emotional health. Some people really connect with that. Uh, you know, there's, sometimes emotions can get the best of us. And he talked about really how to deal with those, those emotions and feelings. We see the life of David give us the Psalms. God gave us the Psalms. I think that's a gift to understand that everybody has days that just they feel emotion. And it's healthy to be able to express that. David did it through song. And we can see all those, those songs that he wrote, a lot of songs he wrote, which is expressed. I think there's a reason God called David a man after his own heart. Because he was able to let go of these stuff and not sideline him and, and sidetrack and mess him up. So that was, that was an important one. And so today we're talking about relational health. Facing the fears that ruin relationships. All right? So this is a useful, this can be useful in all areas of your life. At work, uh, in your marriage, in your friendships, at school. All right? So what we're talking about today is, is, is super important. Um, here's the thing. When it comes to relationships, uh, what you have to know is, is none of us are perfect. Um, we all have issues. And if you don't think you have issues, that is your issue. All right? So... If you're like, I'm issue-free, no, that's your issue. You're, you're, uh, you're ignoring and pretending everything's perfect when it's not. Really, we all have issues. We all have hang-ups. We all have things that we are dealing with, trying to overcome, uh, moving through. So we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. So don't hold me to that standard of being perfect because I'm not. And when, when you do hold people to that, you're really disappointed when they show up and you're like, oh, wow, you're not perfect. Yeah, not perfect. So we all have issues and we're dealing with this. So this is going to be very helpful to understand that we... Um, that we all have to work in this area. Every one of us can work in this area in some way. We have a relationship that's strained, a relationship that's hurt, um, or maybe just a relationship that we need to make better. Well, today as we talk to this, would you be thinking, even in your, in your own mind, your heart, be thinking, how, how can this help me this week? And, and I, I believe your, people are going to pop in your mind. I think, wow, I understand why they maybe act that way or they've done that. Or I understand why I'm doing that. And we can work through that. So here's, I think, one of the things for, for being a Christian, all right, that, that holds a lot of people back. Being a Christian is awesome. Uh, Jesus gave us this way to, to, to live, an example to follow. One of the things I think that holds a lot of people back from, from accepting Christ and following him is they see other Christians who put on a front and pretend, and they, they on the outside, they try to make everything look good, but really they're not sometimes any, any, any different. And because they pretend and they fake it, people that aren't Christians see that and they think, well, it's just, it's just a, a gimmick, it's just a show. And they really haven't let God really work on the inside of them. I think this is one of the things that keeps other people from knowing Christ and, and realizing how amazing his teachings are and how amazing he is because his followers sometimes pretend. Can I tell you today, you don't have to pretend. My prayer is that we're getting better all the time. 
Because everything in life is dynamic. It's not static. It doesn't stay still. It doesn't stay coasting. And when we, when we think life is going to just keep continuing on the way it is, that's when we see decline and we get to a place where we wake up and say, how did life turn so negative for me? But if we understand it's dynamic and that it takes work, that means in, in one year you can be better, a better person in, in your work relationships, in your marriage, in, in school, if you choose to say it's dynamic, it, 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 there's work that has to be put into it so we can continue to grow. So today we're going to talk about that. I remember for me when, you know, when you first get married, uh, we're going to be married 13 years. My wife, uh, Sincerity Rochette, she's sitting back here with our beautiful little baby daughter who's four months old. Plays the keys. She did a great job on keys, eh? Didn't she? Do you like that song? I love that song. So she does a great job. When we first got married 13 years ago, I remember, you know, you're, you start this journey with somebody, and you're thinking like, man, I, I don't want them to know that I fart, right? They're like, it's going to be awkward farting in front of this person I've been dating. And, and there comes a point where you, like, realize, like, you know, they're going to learn everything about you, all these flaws and everything. And you're like, a, you're like really like, oh, man, how do I, like, let them know, like, I'm perfect? <laughs> and what's funny is they're probably thinking the same thing, right? Like, man, this is going to be really weird. The first time I fart in front of my wife, and she's going to be like, oh, that doesn't smell good. <laughs> and then through years, you realize that we're human and we're, we're, we're not perfect. And, you know, you can tease about it after a while and you just have a relationship. Well, at first, you know, you're afraid to get exposed and let it out. Today, really, we're going to fight through these, these things that keep us um, back from having healthy relationships. So we're going to go back and look at um, the first story of the first relationship in the Bible. Really, the first story that, that Genesis account that talks about where the problems all started. All right, so we're going to read this. So in Genesis 3, we're going to read from about chapter 6 to chapter 19. And then we're going to pull out some truths that we can follow along in your notes and just on the screen. So it says in Genesis, starting, uh, in Genesis 3, starting in, in verse 6, it says, So Eve ate some of the fruit, then she also gave some to her husband Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. So let me set this up a little bit before we go too far forward. So God tells, he, he creates he, Adam, and he puts him in this, this perfect environment, everything is perfect. And he says, Adam, you know, take care of the animals, do this, uh, you're going to rule, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to represent me, you're made in my image. It's going to be beautiful. And so Adam is doing all the things God has, wants him to do. And in the middle of it, God says it's not good. He says something's not good. See, throughout the whole beginning of the Genesis, God keeps saying it was good. He made light and dark, and it was good. He made animals, it was good. He made man, it was good. And then he says, it's not good. And you know what he said it was not good to? That man was alone. He says it's not good that you're alone. And so he makes woman, right? So he kind of makes all this. And I've said this before, it's progression. You know, he makes something that's I mean, pretty complicated, light and dark. But then each day it gets a little more uh, intricate and, and more complicated where now the, the seeds that on the tree can plant more seeds, they create more life, and they can do more like that. And, and then he creates human, he has more um, emotion and intellect, all this other stuff going with it. He creates man, you know, it's pretty awesome. We're, we're pretty awesome. And he says, I can do better, right? So then he creates woman. And so he really created woman as a response to it, a need and a problem. So ladies, you are a solution to a problem, all right? Don't forget that. You are a solution to a problem. And, and, and God says it's not good for us to be alone. He created us for a relationship with other human beings. Yes, for relationship with him first, but also with other human beings. We need people around us so we can make good decisions. We talked about that last series. It was good. If you didn't hear it, go hear it. And so he made them. And God says, Adam and Eve, you can eat of all of these trees. All right? But there's one that's out of bounds. One tree. 
Just one tree. This is a tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil, right? He says, don't, don't eat this tree, but all the others you can eat, all right? And so the enemy comes and tempts Eve, and it says she gave in, and she ate some fruit, and also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate it. Immediately, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. Fig leaves are really small, so it probably took a lot of fig leaves, all right? <laughs> So they cover themselves up. So here, shame enters the picture. Before this, there was no shame. There was no fear. I guess there's no fear. We're born with two innate fears. All right? Fear of falling and fear of loud noises. Every other fear in our lives is, is um, inherited or learned from something. You know, something happened traumatic where we learn a fear of something. We see something and, and we learn a fear for something. So there was only two, which I really think makes a strong case for for, for the gospel message, for the Bible, for, for God, is he saying, hey, before all this, there wasn't the stuff that you don't worry about. In fact, they weren't even, they weren't afraid to be naked. It says that they felt shame because they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. Then they heard the Lord walking in the garden in the cold of day, and they hid from God among the trees. So we can see a relationship. There's something gone wrong here. They're hiding. But God called out to Adam, where are you? Adam replied, I heard you coming, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then God asked, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? One tree. You know, the thing that also was in bounds, there was one that was out of bounds. It was, it was a minimal um, choice, you know, one little thing, so we still had a choice. He's given us choice, which is a gift. And Adam said, you gave me this woman, right? Yeah, you, you find the humor there. It was her fault. She gave me the fruit, so I ate it. Then God said to Eve, Why did you do this? And you skipped me. What back one? Sorry. <laughs> Why did you do this? Eve replied, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. So God said to Eve, Because you disobeyed me, you'll have great trouble in pregnancy and great pain in childbirth. So ladies, you can blame Eve, all right? And though you'll desire your husband, he's, not, he's going to lord it over you. And God said to Adam, because you also disobeyed me and you sinned with your wife, the ground you work is now cursed. And though you'll get to eat what you planted, your fields will have weeds and thorns and thistles. Guys, we can blame Adam. Right? Hard work became as a result of this. For the rest of your life, you'll have to sweat and work hard to get your food until you yourselves are returned to the dirt that I used to create you. So that's found in Genesis. So you see this amazing story, and there's all kinds of truths we could pull out of this, but today we're going to just focus on the relational part of this, all right? What, 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 where it went wrong. And so we're going to talk about how our fears ruin our relationships. We're going to talk about three basic fears that ruin relationships. Three basic fears that ruin relationships. The first is this. The fear of exposure makes me distant. The fear of exposure makes me distant, all right? So here's the truth. There's a lot of things that we don't like about ourselves. There's things you don't like about yourself. And because you don't accept them about yourself, you don't want others to see it because you think they're going to reject that same thing in you. So what do you do? You push yourself away. You, you hide. Because you don't want to be exposed for those things. See, God said, he called Adam, why are you hiding? And Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So God is asking Adam, why are you hiding here? What's going on here? He says, I was, I was afraid, so I hid. So God always knows the answer to the questions he asks us. It's not like God doesn't know the answer. Why are you hiding, Adam? He knows the answer. He just wants us to, to be able to understand and admit it and to own up to it. That's why he asked the question. 
Not because he doesn't know, but rather he wants us to be able to um, answer and admit and own up for what we did. See that, that part, he says, I was afraid and I hid. Circle, I was afraid and I hid. Fear always causes us to hide. Fear causes us to hide. Is there anything you're hiding today? Is there something you're hiding that because of fear of being uh, exposed, you, you, you distance yourself and you stop it? You stop from, from letting people in? What fear? See, God always wants us to face our fears, not to fake our fears. Not to fake it and pretend everything's perfect. See, social media can really, it can, it can hinder us on this. Because it's easy to put all the great pictures out there and all this fun life, and really put on this, this display of, hey, my life's perfect. We're really on the inside. You're about to be crying out for friendship and hurting. Well, as long as you everything looks perfect, nobody's going to ever be able to help you with, the, with the, really what's going on. And that can be a danger. So it's, it's not that we, we fake it. Rather, we face those things that we have to face and admit it so that, that we don't have to be distant. See, I was afraid. You can circle naked, exposed, uncovered. You're vulnerable. You're out in the open, unprotected. That can be scary. See, it's not just that there, there's a physical nakedness, but there's also an emotional nakedness. There's this, this part of us where, man, we don't want to just be exposed to who we are and what's really happening in our lives. Maybe the addictions or the habits or the struggles we have. So we distance ourselves and we push ourselves away from God, a lot of times, and from people. See, it says they sin. See, we hear this word sin, and, and we, you know, it can sound like a very religious old word, well, sin. It's actually a really, it's a great word. It just means that you miss the mark. Alright, so God says, here's the target. Alright, and like an archer, he pulls the bow back and he shoots at the target. Sin just means you're missing, you're missing God's best for your life. That's a great thing. That's not a bad thing. And he's just saying, hey, when you sin, when you do something contrary to what I want you to do, you're missing the target, you're missing the mark. And here's the thing, we've all done it. We've all missed the mark. We've all messed up. So, so we try to hide. And in this story, they, they, were, they were afraid because they were naked. See, before they ate the fruit, man, they were naked. They walked around. It was, it was great. You know? It was, it was, there was freedom there. They, there was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no fear of anything. And then all of a sudden, they, they mess up. And what do they try to do? They try to hide it from, from God and say, hey, I was. So one of our big, biggest fears is seen for being seen for who we really are. And this keeps us from, from really from being God's best. Because when we own up and we finally admit and let go of things, there's so much freedom in it. And in fact, the power of sin, the power of making mis- mistakes in, in our life is keeping it a secret. There's so much power in, that in our lives because it keeps us back from what God has for us. When we pretend and we don't own up and we don't confess and let out, man, there's power. You know, if, if I ever have, in the past, had to hold, hold a secret from sincerity, that eats you alive. You know, you're like, man, if she ever finds out, this is going to break her heart or whatever. Or growing up, I remember um, I, was, I was practicing golf in my living room, okay? And uh, I joined the golf teams, I was practicing. And, you know, you just sometimes you do really dumb stuff as a kid. And so, practicing golf, my parents got this really nice table from Germany, all right? So that alone, you're like, oh, goodness, nice table from Germany. It's like glass and some rocks, and it's really nice. It was a gift, it was given stuff, and I'm sure it cost a lot to get back here, which was heavy. Well, I'm practicing golf, and in the, in the process of this, I don't really measure how far the head goes, right? And so I'm swinging, and, and one of the swings, I clip the glass table, and it goes, sh- it just, psh, the corner of it goes everywhere. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I remember, like, I, was, I thought I was going to die. Like, I just broke the table. It really, like, means a lot. And so I remember I was like, I'm just going to make this in. I'm going to hide it and not ever tell them. And I couldn't pick up the table. It's like, how are you going to hide a table like that, you know? 
And so you're like trying to glue it back together. I did pretty good glue it back together. And I finally realized like, it's so obvious they're gonna notice. I better just come clean. And I remember coming clean and it was kind of like they were, they were hurt. Like, man, I like that table. But it was part of like, but it's just a table. You know, it's, yeah, it's a good memory, but it's just a table. And there was so much freedom in my life that day when I became clean and confessed. I'm like, you mean you're not going to, like, sell me to somebody else and give me away? You know? Because we think sometimes the worst things about having to come clean is it's really going to affect us. And I remember the freedom in that. I didn't have to hide. Because fear of exposure, it makes me distant. And for a moment there, I was like, how can I hide? How, I just run away. I won't have to deal with it. That doesn't ever solve it, right? So, it makes us. Here's the, fa- here's the three phases of of um, when, when we being distant and exposure what sin does alright so phase one is shame phase one is shame it said they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness fear is often based in shame three, three phases of fear is when you carry shame you're easily embarrassed right shame makes you more self conscious it makes you nervous because you don't want to be exposed so when we have shame we're, we're very um, it's all of a sudden we're really aware of of our weakness, we're aware of just being human, but we don't want anybody else to know that, so we try to hide it. The next phase is cover-up. It's just they sewed fig leaves together so they can hide themselves. You know, for us, there's a lot more ways to hide hide our, our shame and hide our, our guilt, hide whatever that we're we're fa- facing. We can hide. So what ways what ways do you use to cover up your fear? Do you make a lot of jokes so people think you know there's really nothing going on here and you're all have it all together? You know, maybe you're really funny, but Man, you just don't want people to get close, so you use that to push people away. Maybe you present an image of being put together, being perfect. You know, the way you dress, the kind of car you drive, the words you use. Man, a lot of people, they hide behind an online image, images. We put it out there for pretend. It's so liberating when we can actually say, you know what, I'm not going to cover up. I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable here. I'm going to be. I'm going to let go. I'm going to release. So the first phase is we, we feel shame, and then we try to cover it up. And the third phase is then we find distance. We begin to distance ourselves from God and sometimes from other people that we have the, you know, the issue with. So they hid from God among the trees. So God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, but he does expect you to be honest. That's what he wants, with honesty, because honesty is a, is a form of being uh, of humility. And God says he embraces the humble. When we can come to, our, come, come to our, ourselves and say, I'm not perfect, that, that's humility of saying, God, I need help. Outside of myself, I can't do this. And the Bible says he embraces those people. But people who are fearful, he says he re- that people that are uh, proud, he rejects and pushes away. He, he rejects and pushes away. But those that are humble enough to, to do it. So that's the first one. My fear exposure makes me distant. Keep people at, at arm's length, push them away. The second thing is this. My fear of disapproval makes me defensive. So we move from hiding to hurting. From, excuse, from excusing to accusing. We start blaming and attacking and pointing fingers, but you did this, right? See, the more I fear disapproval, the more I'll point at others. The more I fear disapproval, the more I'll point at others. And when we live as people always want approval of other, others, one thing, you're never going to get approval from everybody all the time. So when you have that kind of standard, you're going to be trying to live up to somebody else's standards. You're, you're, you're always going to be hurt and let down. But when, when we fear disapproval, we'll point at others more. He goes on to say, God asked Adam, did you eat? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? And what did Adam say? You gave me this woman, right? It was her. And then she gave me the fruit. And then what did God? I looked at Eve and said, so Eve, is it true what's going on? And Eve doesn't do any better. What does she say? 
She wasn't more willing to accept the responsibility. She said, it wasn't my fault, it was a serpent's fault. And she doesn't own up to it. So fear of disapproval makes me defensive. You got the next one for me? So she gave me the fruit, Genesis 3, 12. And Eve said, the snake, he tricked me into eating it. So fear, it'll, it'll, it'll be of disapproval, it makes us defensive. You know, if you have people in your life that are very dis- defensive, not because they, um, they're, they're wanting approval. And so because they know they don't get it, they push off and become defensive. They point. And this is one of, the, one of the tricks of the enemy. He wants us to always point at others so we never accept our own responsibility. We have to want to own up. All right, not be defensive. Understand that we're not going to please everybody. The third, third one is, is my fear of losing control. It makes me demanding. Fear of losing control makes me demanding. See, this is the result of sin. Adam and Eve, man, they lost control over, their, over the future of what God had for them. They got kicked out of paradise. They lost their advantage. And when they lost control, they become demanding. See, the more out of control you feel, the more controlling you'll become. There's a lot of time what happens to, to kids that are bullies, you know. They lose control somewhere. They get bullied. So what happens? Because they don't have control, now they're going to try to find control from somewhere else. So they begin to bully others, Right? So the fear of losing control makes me demanding. I want, I want more. And, and the more insecure you are, the greater your need is to get to get your way. And this happens to all of us. When we don't have control of something, it's all of a sudden I'm going to demand my way because I need control. I want control. Especially if you lost control at some point in your life. Through abuse, you know, physical or, or, or mental or verbal abuse. When you lose control, you become, man, you're like aware of that. Like, I don't want to be in that position again. Road rage. I think this is where road rage comes from a lot of times, right? We're... We're not in control of the person cutting us off, so we become really demanding. Where the answer is to realize, you know, man, it's okay. I have to, I'm, I'm going to have to let go of some things. I'm not going to be able to control everything. You can't be a control freak. See, it goes on to say in, in the story, you'll have a yearning for your husband. Here's, here's the results. The results of it, you lose control, is going to make you demanding. You'll have a yearning for your husband, and he will lord it over you. He will dominate you. Part of the results of sin not how God intended it, but this is the result. You're going to become demanding because you lost this control. The results of their sin, this is where the war between the sexes began. All misunderstanding, confusion, and conflict starts here. Because we did less, we did something that was less than God's best for us, called sin. We missed the mark. And all of us have done it. So, here's the three fears that we face, right? Fear of losing control makes us demanding. Um, I'm going to get these ones. Fear of exposure makes me distant. The fear of disapproval makes me defensive, and the fear of losing control makes me demanding. So what's the antidote to this? What's the answer? All right, so I understand this. These things are going to, fear is not good to, to let it control our lives. What's the antidote? To learn, in God, to learn to live in God's love. To learn in God's, learn to get, live in God's love. So it says this um, in 1 John, wherever God's love is, there is no fear because God's perfect love drives out fear. So what's the opposite of, of, of fear? Some people will say faith. It's not faith. It's actually love. The Bible says wherever there's love, fear can't be either. It has to leave. We see this when there's a, a house burning, right? And all of a sudden you see this, this, this lady run into the fire and they're thinking, she's crazy. What is she running back into the, the house where it's on fire? And she runs to get her little baby or, you know. Why? Because the love for that child overrode the fear of being hurt and burned. Why? Because fear is more powerful. Love is more powerful than fear. So the answer is love. God wants us to learn to live in God's love. 
It's the, it's the thought of punishment, negative consequence that makes a person fearful. If you're afraid of something, well, it's because something went wrong. Why are Adam and Eve afraid? Because they you don't have to be afraid of anything because they know. It's liberating to be able to tell somebody maybe a secret. A lot of times they already know, but just to be able to share it and say, hey, they hold on to this. There's freedom in that. So love is the opposite of fear. When, when love comes in the front door, fear goes out the back door. When fear comes in the front door, love goes out the back door. Don't be afraid to be yourself. And don't be afraid to tell the truth. So how do I learn to live in God's love? We'll go through these quickly. These are three daily choices you have to make. All right? How do I learn to live in God's love? The first one is every day you have to surrender your heart to God. We're going we're gonna to camp out in this verse just for a second. And Joe, this is a great... Great, great verse. You should write this down. You should stick it somewhere and read it often because it really sums up what we're talking about today. How to, how to surrender. Surrender your heart to God. This is Job 11, 13 through 18. Turn to Him in prayer and give up your sins, even those you do in secret. Then you won't be ashamed. You'll be confident and fearless. Everyone want to be fearless and confident in life? He says you have to let go of all this stuff that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying. Your troubles will go away like water beneath the bridge, and your darkest night will be brighter than noon. Then you'll rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. One of the reasons I love following, following God, following Christ, is because He fills my life with hope. Hope for a better future. And my parents, when they became Christians when I was a little infant, that was the greatest decision that probably has impacted my life more than anything. Because there was all of a sudden hope birthed into my family. Not to be stuck in the same patterns and uh, um, negative patterns that, that they were passed on to them. But there was freedom. And they became a new person in Christ. And they began to live a different way. And I was born in a home that was way different than if my parents would never become Christians. Hope is birthed in this. When we begin to realize that God has something for us. And then we're filled with hope emptied of worry. So God is love. The closer we get to God, the more loving we will be. The further, the more fearful we'll be. We're always afraid of everything. What's going to happen? Tomorrow's going to end. You know, market crashes. When, when you have hope from God, even if the market crashes, you know what we can say? Man, there's still hope. God can use this to do something amazing. It's when we live in fear. Man, if the market crashes and we're living in fear, we're not going to do very good to anybody because we're going to be stopped because of that. So there's commands in there. There's a few promises in there. Man, take, read that verse over and over this week. I encourage you to do that. Surrender your heart. So every day I must surrender my heart to God. Number two, every day, remember the way that God loves me. Here's some of the ways that God loves us. I'm completely accepted. It says that in Titus that Jesus made us acceptable to God. So the deepest wounds caused by rejection, God says, hey, I still accept you. Whatever's happening, whatever you chose to do, the choices you made, I still accept you. I still love you. So we spend so much time in our lives trying to, to earn you know, acceptance from others, from parents, from peers, from those that we respect, even sometimes those we envy. And we spend, our, we spend so much time. But here's, it's a myth. If I could be perfect, then everyone will like me. It's a, it's a, it's a false statement that there. And if I'm perfect, then everybody's going to like me. It's not true. Because Jesus was perfect and people didn't like him. In fact, they killed him. So, the Bible says this issue has already been settled. You're completely accepted. You're unconditionally loved. Isaiah says that my love for you, this is God speaking, my love for you will never never end, says the Lord. Right? It's always consistent. It's, it's not fickle. It's not predictable. It's consistent. It's unconditional. 
It's unconditional. It's always there. Even when you get in trouble, you can't. You don't have to doubt God's love. It's always there. Next one is I'm totally forgiven. In, in fact, it says in Romans, there's, now there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So when you commit your life to Christ and you admit all that stuff, you begin to follow Him, there's no more condemnation. It's out of the bag. It's in the light. We're not free from the consequences of those decisions. They still linger. But we're free to live in fear, live in, in, in the shame, live in the, in the darkness of those secrets. There's no condemnation. God still loves you. You're not surprised. But sin is wiped out. It, it's clean. And then I'm considered extremely valuable. First Corinthians says, you've been bought and paid for by Christ's death. God believes in you so much that he sent his son to die so you can have life again. That's how valuable you are. He made you. He believes in you. Sometimes we begin to feel like we don't have a lot of worth. No, you have a lot of worth. And God loves you so much. He wants, He has good plans for your life. So, um, every day remember God's, God's love for us. All right? The third one is this. Every day offer that same love to others. Here's, here's the antidote to love. Right? So offer that same love to others. Romans says we accept one another just as Christ accepted us. In fact, in John 13 it says, I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other in the same way I have loved you. Accept others the way Jesus has accepted you. The way God has accepted you. Love others the way that God loves you. Forgive others the way God forgives you. And then value others the way Jesus and God values you. See, it says, uh, goes on, it says, love never stops. 1 Corinthians 13, man, a great picture of love. Love never stops being patient. Love never stops believing. Love never stops hoping. Love, it never gives up. Would that transform your relationships? Yeah? If you begin to be that kind of person that says, I'm never going to, I'm going to be patient. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not going to stop hoping. I'm not going to give up. Whatever they've done, I'm going to keep going, going forward. See, real love, it does these things. It extends grace. It expresses faith. It expects the best and endures the worst. You're going to have a good marriage? Man, you've got to learn to love this kind of way. Man, you're extending grace. You're expressing faith. You're expecting the best and you're enduring the worst. You want to be a good student, a good employee, a good boss? Man, you have to extend grace. You have to ex- um, express, express this faith, expect the best, and endure the worst. You keep moving forward. You be what God has you to be. So, healthy people, they do healthy things. Alright? Think about that last slide for me. As we wrap it up today, um, our challenge every week is to try to get something you can commit to for you know, 30 days. And commit to for each, each week what area of your life and we're going through seven different areas so most of us won't be able to do seven new things right away but what are those key ones that have really impacted you and challenged you in, in your relationships are there relationships that are hurt well healthy people do healthy things this week don't let fear keep you distant alright don't let fear keep you defensive and don't let fear keep you demanding in your life when you begin to see these things you're distancing yourself Begin to ask the question, why am I distancing myself from others? Why am I distancing myself from God? If you begin to find yourself defensive, ask the question, why am I being so defensive here? Is it because maybe there's part of my that to own up to and live up to? Yeah. You begin to be demanding, ask the question, why am I being so demanding here? What's really going on? What's the issue here? And this week, man, I, I encourage you and challenge you, would you surrender your heart to God every day? Man, for, for the, 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 let me tell you about a few of the goals that I've been kind of trying to, trying to accomplish, right? So for spiritual health, um, one of the things that I'm trying to change and, and add to my life, because you don't necessarily just change, you just add it to, is, is I want to put God first every single day. And this has been one of the hardest things to do. 
you know, in the first five minutes, I wake up, two minutes, whatever it is, I want to be able to just pause and say, God, today, would you leave me? And now, since we've done that five, five weeks ago, and I've done it maybe five times through my goals, but I have a deadline. I know by when I want to accomplish this every single day. Roll out of bed, maybe onto my knees if I have to. Say, God, today, this day, and I need your help. Give me grace. Give me strength. Man, I want to be, I want to be healthy spiritually. I don't know my, where, where I'm at in, in my relationship to you. And then Robert talked about uh, physical health, right? Being stressed and blessed. I've changed Mondays from calling my day off to calling my Sabbath. There's a big difference. Days off, you just have a day off. A Sabbath is where you say, God, you asked me to give a day up where I don't work and, and, and make the world doesn't revolve around me working. But rather, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to enjoy this day with my family. I'm going to take some rest. I'm going to take a nap, right? And just let things go. So by calling it Sabbath, it's a big difference. And that was my goal. I want to start calling, stop calling days, days off, and start calling Sabbath. Right? And say, God, I need refreshing. I need your help. So this week, straighten your heart to God. Remember that God loves you, and then offer that same love to others. This week, every single day, would you surrender your heart? Say, God, I need help. Help me. See, I don't want to be like Adam and Eve, hiding from you, hiding from others, letting issues of, of missing your best for my life keep me from helping others know you, keeping me from, from doing my best at work, at school, in my home. Because God loves you so much. Today, if you do me a favor, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads today as we close the service? We'd like to give an opportunity at the end of every service for people that are here that you might relate super well to that story right now with Adam and Eve. And you might say, you know what, I'm, I've distanced myself from God. I've distanced myself from others because I've allowed secrets into my life. I've allowed things that have caused shame and guilt. And that if you're here today, can I tell you there's hope? There's an answer? It's called confession. It's called repentance, which just means you, you turn away from that. You turn back to God. Today, if you're here and you feel the sense of like, I want to make my relationship with God better. I want my relationship with others to be better. I need your help, God. I would love to lead you in a prayer. This is what the Bible says. It says that if we confess our sins with our mouth, and that we believe that God sent His Son to die on that cross for our sins, and that He didn't just die on Friday, but He rose on Sunday. If we believe that, then we'll find forgiveness. When we confess that we're saved, there's salvation, there's hope that comes with that. That's all it takes. It's us confessing, being humble enough to say, God, I'm not perfect. I have issues. If you're here today, and you're willing to say, man, that's me. I'm not going to have you come to the front, but would you raise your hand and say, I need to pray, and I need help. Would you leave me in this prayer? It's a simple prayer saying, God, forgive me. Help me. If you're here today, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. I see that hand. I see those hands? Awesome. I see those hands. They keep going up. That's great. Once you put it up, you can put it down. distance myself and being demanding and trying to be controlling and all that. Then help me. I need help. Awesome. For you that raised your hand, I'm going to lead you to prayer. It's the first step of just saying, this is what God wanted Adam and Eve to do. It just admit and say, God, I have issues. I need help. First step. I'm not going to deny it no more. I'm not going to pretend. First step. Would you say this prayer with me? Say, Father God, today I invite you to help me 
know I've missed your mark. I've done less than your best for my life. Forgive me. Today, I ask you for help. Would you lead me? I make you God, Lord over my life. I confess all my past. I turn away from it. Let the shame go away. Let the guilt go away. Because I confess and let go of it. I believe you died on that cross for me. Follow you in a new life. 